Thanks, Jillian. Thanks, Blake. Well, this morning we are starting a new series, and I'm excited about this one. I've been thinking about this one for a while. Truthfully, I've been thinking about the topic of this series for most of my adult life. Um, at the, the heart of this series is a question, a question that I, I, again, I've wrestled with myself for most of my life, and the question is this. What should we do with our lives? What do we do with this one life that we have been given to live? How do we live it? What do we do with our time, our energy, our effort, our capacities? What do we do with our life? And this question comes to us early in life, usually as children or adolescents, usually in the form of a very specific question from an adult who asks the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Now, unfortunately, that question is not put to bed or resolved super easily. Uh, at least in my life, it has come back up again and again, over and over through time. And it's more uh, insistent or more urgent in some seasons of life than others. But that question, what am I going to be when I grow up? What do I want to be when I grow up? That question haunts us often for years in our life. And then there's a following question for those of us who believe in God. What, what part does God have to play in that? And helping us to figure that out about, about what it is that we're to do, who we are to be in the world. And in the center of this question, this struggle that we have of what will we do with our life, how will we live, is a word. And it's a word that's come to be synonymous with this idea, this pursuit and yet it's a word that I think there's so much confusion and misunderstanding and hurt and heartache that we've all experienced around. And the word is the word calling, the word calling. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear me say that word calling, but what I do know is that it's many different things, that there's more than one definition, more than one concept, more than one way of thinking about calling. And if we were to ask everyone here to tell us what you think calling means, we would get a lot of different concepts and ideas because that word has changed so much over time. The meaning of the word has changed and the way people use it changes. Sometimes I listen to people talk about calling, this concept of calling, and I listen to them and in my head I'm, I'm, I'm hearing Inigo Montoya from The Princess Bride say, you keep using that word, but I do not think it means what you think it means. Because we use these words sometimes as a placeholder for a concept or an idea, and sometimes that concept or idea is confused, and other people use it differently. So let's start today with some definitions. <clears throat> so I got these definitions from where we all get definitions now, Google. If you just Google <laughs> definition of calling, here's what you get. Number one, a strong urge toward a particular way of life or career, a vocation. So right there off the bat, we find out that calling is equated with this other word, vocation, which makes total sense. Vocatio in Latin means call, means to call, to call out. It comes from the, the word vocari, which means voice. So people put those two things, those two concepts together, and they equate career, vocation, and calling. They use those words interchangeably a lot. So that's one way of thinking about it. Second definition that I found was the vocation, there it is again, or profession in which one customarily engages. And three, a strong inner impulse towards a particular course of action, especially when accompanied by conviction of divine influence. So there's a lot going on in these definitions already just from the way that we define the term, it means a lot of different things. 
But I want to point out some features that are clear to this popular conception of the way that we think about calling. Because this is what we do. When we go to the, the web, when we, we go to define something, this is the way it's popular, this word is popularly thought of within our society, within our culture. So I think there's, there's five basic features that are present in this definition. Number one, it's specific. It's specific. It's an urge towards something particular or something specific. It's clear and it's strong. That's another thing that's implied, that, that your calling is something that, that's strong and clear and obvious. It's very individual. It's a very individualistic experience. The concept of calling is something that we usually talk about in personal terms. I talk about my calling. You talk about your calling. But we rarely talk about our calling as a group or as a community. It's very, very focused on work. As I said, vocation equals work or career or profession. So that's something that's very common is, is that the way that we think about this concept of calling has been almost exclusively relegated to the realm of thinking about our work life, our professional work life, in particular, our paid work life. And lastly, it comes, our idea is that it comes from a subjective inner experience which may or may not be attributed to divine influence. So people who talk about the sense of calling may be talking about God as the one who calls, but they may be talking about calling from somewhere else as well. So if we're all trying to answer this question of what do we do with our life, this feels like this would be a really useful thing to know, right? Like this is a very useful concept. If, if I want to know more about what I should do with my life in the realm of my relationships, if I need, if I want some, some clear, personal, specific, strong direction in a particular area of my life, th that sounds really helpful. It, it sounds helpful with my work, helpful with my relationships, helpful with my investment choices, right? Like it'd be great if there was some way to find these things, this, this clear inner sense of calling. But my question as we begin this series is, is this real? Is this a realistic expectation? Is this something that we should expect to happen? Is a calling, is that a real concept or a real thing as we understand it? A clear, specific individual experience, a call to something very focused, related to primarily your career. Is that a realistic expectation? Now, if you go searching around the internet to find out the answer to that question, I, I think you find a spectrum of people who will tell you absolutely it is a real thing. And the spectrum exists around whether or not God is involved in that process. So on one end of the spectrum, you have a whole host of people who say, Calling is absolutely real. It is a real thing, and it has nothing to do with God. It's all about you. You just need to look inside yourself. Find your passion. Find what moves you. Find what in the world brings you joy and bliss. And that's the thing that you're called to do. And in this end of the spectrum, there's a lot of people who will tell you that you can find it if you just look hard enough inside yourself. If you just buy their book and follow their 12-step their process, if you come to their weekend seminar or watch their TED Talk, then you too can find your calling. On the opposite end of the spectrum, you'll find a, a lot of other people who'll tell you absolutely calling is a real thing. You know, as it's popularly understand, and God is central. God is central to this. You can't find your calling apart from God. And somehow it's about God, but it's still a lot about us. Because they'll talk about the ways 
and the things that you need to do to be able to find your calling, about how much you need to pray and read the scripture and all the things that you need to do. You need to come to church. And there's a lot of people on that end of the spectrum who also have books and weekend seminars. And they'd be glad to sell you their book about how to find your calling. And they'd be glad to sell you a ticket to come to their weekend seminar. Or they would invite you to their church to hear their series on calling to explain and help you find your calling. Spoiler alert, (laughs) this isn't that kind of church. And I'm not that kind of pastor. And that's not where we're going in this series. Because the problem is, if we go to the Bible and we ask, should we expect, is there a, a clear interior experience that guides us towards making particular choices that's clear and strong and unambiguous? Is that something that we should expect? Is that a part of the Christian life? Is that something that we should expect as a part of our faith? And when I look at the scriptures, the answer, in short, is no. I don't see it there. I don't see the popular conception of what we think of as calling anywhere in the stories of the scriptures. Now, some of you who know the Bible right now are scandalized because you're like, wait, 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 time out. I for sure know there are people in the Bible who are called. What about Jesus' disciples? What about the, the first followers of Jesus? What about Paul? What about Barnabas? What about Timothy? What about all these major characters of faith? Okay, let's talk about them for a moment. Let's talk about their experience. We have to go back to the scripture and ask ourselves, what's going on in this story? And how do we understand the way that they thought about the choices that they made and the decisions that they made in the context of, of their life and their experience? And, and what of their experience should we expect? What was unique to them and what was, what's normative for us for all times and all places for all people of faith? So when you look at these stories, the first thing you have to point out is that when you talk about Jesus calling his disciples, it's a literal call. Jesus walked up to people and said, hey, come and follow me. Like he literally spoke it out loud. It was a literal call. This wasn't an inner experience. This isn't something they had to discern or go digging for themselves. A guy literally walked up to them and said, hey, come and follow me. And 12 of them did. And we have the stories of their lives. So, so what, about, what about Paul, okay? What about his, his experience of being called to be an apostle. There's a couple of times where Paul uses that language. You know, a lot of people go to this because Paul self-identifies as being called, and they use that as a framework for for saying that's a normative kind of experience. Well, let's look closer at that. Twice in his letters, Paul uses that phrasing, that, that terminology. He says that I'm called to be an apostle. An apostle just meant one who was sent with a message. And so let's look Uh, The first time he uses this is in 1 Corinthians, the very introduction of the letter. The second time is in Romans. Let's look at what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Paul starts his letter with, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. Aha! There it is, right there. The Bible says Paul Paul self-identifies as being called. The Bible says it. I believe it. That settles it, right? Stephen, you're wrong. You're wrong. It's right there in the Bible. Well, okay, let's take a look at Paul's experience and let's ask ourselves, is that something that we should expect for everyone in all places at all times? Or was Paul's experience unique? Paul, when he talks about being called to be an apostle, 
What he's referring to is having an an encounter with the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus while he was persecuting Christians and trying to stamp it out as a cult. Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, appeared to him and said, Paul, stop it. Cut it out. I have another plan for you. You're going to take my message of love and salvation to the non-Jewish world. That was his message. That was what he was assigned. That's when he became an apostle. So if we're going to use this as a framework for thinking about calling for the rest of us, it's like, okay, well, if you've had an experience with the risen Jesus, I'll for sure admit you're called, no doubt. If not, then we have to ask, is there anywhere that Paul or any of the other leaders, specifically in the New Testament, I want to focus there because that's what we're trying to figure out, right, is how do we live out this faith in Jesus? What does it mean to live the Christian life? What does it mean? What should we expect? And when you look at the rest of the New Testament, Paul doesn't teach about this kind of calling to a specific, clear direction in life that comes from an interior experience. He, doesn't, he never talks about that kind of calling. Neither does anyone else in the New Testament. So if we're just looking at the Bible and asking what should we expect as it relates to this concept of calling that comes from our culture, the answer is it's just not there. So that's the bad news today, (laughs) is that maybe what you've thought about calling, maybe that's not what it really is, because there is another calling Paul talks a lot about. And this calling transforms everything else and does give us insight and guidance into how we do everything else in our life. And Paul actually introduces it immediately after he introduces himself. Here in this letter to the Corinthian church, the first letter to the Corinthians. Look at what he says immediately after introducing himself as called to be apostle. He says in his introduction, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, and what? Called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and His Lord and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the one call that Paul and the apostles and the leaders of the first, first church talk about over and over and over again. The call that is to every human being to come to Jesus. The call to place their faith and their trust, and their belief in Jesus. This is the call that every single person who has ever lived is called to. This is what your call is and what my call is. We are all called to Jesus. What is this call? Listen to how Jesus put it with some of his first followers. This is how he invited people outside of that, just that small group of 12. This is how he invited them to come and follow him. Listen to what he says. This is how Matthew records it from the story of Jesus' life in chapter 11. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus says, Come to me, That's his call to all of us. Come to me. Who? All of you who are weary and burdened. Are you tired? Tired of trying to figure out these decisions and find the right path in life? As if there was just one narrow path and if you miss it, your whole life is screwed up. Are you tired 
of this experience of having to create yourself, digging inside yourself and find your true passion and find, it's an exhausting process that the world puts us on. It's a treadmill that never ends. Are you tired of going after that thing that you thought was your true calling or passion only to find that it was disappointing as well. That relationship that you thought was going to fulfill you, also disappointing. Moving to that new city that you thought was going to solve all of your challenges and your problems and make life complete because you were called to go there. You felt this strong internal sense. And then getting there and feeling the disillusionment and the disappointment and wondering, did I just misunderstand? Did I miss it? Am I doing it wrong? Are you tired of that? Feeling unsettled and discontent? Like you're always getting it wrong? Or are you tired of feeling like maybe you're not spiritual enough? Because you look around a room like this and you think, well, clearly all these people have it figured out. And they've all got their call. And there's something wrong with me. And I just need to pray harder or have more faith or read my Bible more. And then maybe God will give me a call. And I'll have a call like everybody else in this room. Here's a secret. You're not alone. Most of us feel that uncertainty, that lack of clarity, that lack of clear and strong inner voice. Most of us don't get a voice from on high that says, this is the exact perfect thing that you are supposed to do. Are you tired of feeling like you're not enough spiritually? What if you just let all that go? What if we just let all that go today? What if we let feeling the need to create ourselves or dig for our own calling inside ourselves? What if we just let that go? What if we let go of the need to do more and act more and feel like we have to strain and have more faith and then maybe God would show us the direction? What if we let that go and actually believe that what we celebrated last week, the resurrection of Jesus changed everything and invited us into a new way of living? Because here's the thing. You may be thinking to yourself, this invitation that Jesus made, didn't you just say, like, that was a personal invitation. He made it to a group of real people. Jesus was a human being, and he invited people to follow him. Was, so, was, so was this invitation just for those people? Well, here's the thing. Jesus' death and his resurrection transformed everything that he said and did and gave it new layers and levels of meaning. This invitation suddenly wasn't just from the rabbi Jesus to a small group of people but it's to all people in all places at all times. The risen Christ invites all of us to union with God through a relationship with him. That's something we are all invited to. So when Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary, that's for all people in all places at all times. And what's this deal about the yoke? What is that all about? What is he talking about when he says, take my yoke upon me that's easy and it's light? Well, this was a shorthand way of talking about following Jesus in his way. So a yoke was a device that would be put on animals so they could plow a field. Like they would, a piece of wood that would go across oxen and tie them together and they would pull together. And so teachers in Jesus' day would say, if you're going to follow me, you need to take on my yoke, which is my teaching style. I have a way of thinking about the world, seeing the world. And if you're going to follow me, you're going to take on my yoke. So Jesus is, uh, is saying to us, and after his resurrection, he says this to everyone. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, take on my yoke and learn from me. It's an invitation to learn from Jesus the unforced rhythms of grace in a relationship 
with God. It's an invitation from the risen Christ to unity with God and then an ongoing communion and relationship with God through belief in him and through the presence of God's spirit in the world. Remember, Jesus was a human being limited by time and space, but when he ascended to the Father, he sent the spirit so that he could be with all people in all places at all times. And that life with the Spirit is the way of thinking about our relationship with Jesus that Paul and the New Testament writers begin talking about and pointing us towards. This is the calling to which we're called. Life in union with God through Jesus, led day by day, choice by choice, by the Spirit. We have been invited by Jesus' resurrection into a whole new way of living, a resurrected life that begins now and extends into eternity. This is the easy yoke of Jesus. And what Paul refers to is life by the Spirit. Living as people who've been set free by a call to this union and communion with Jesus, free to live with confidence, without anxiety or fear of getting it wrong, without anxiety or fear of of messing up somehow God's plan by misunderstanding him, Free to live in the confidence of knowing that wherever we go and whatever we do, God is present with us. I love how Eugene Peterson translates Paul's message about this in Romans. He talks about this life with the Spirit, and I love the the language that Eugene uses in his his translation. Listen to this verse from Romans chapter 8, verses 14, 14 through 17. It says, God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. The resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's an adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are. Father, children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him as well. I love this line. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. This is your calling. This is my calling to be rooted in this identity, to know who he is and to know who we are in relationship with him. This is what we are all called to and the place we're all called to live from uniquely, differently, not with the anxiety that there's one path or one choice, but to know that every choice and every decision is incorporated into the plan that God has for us, that we have freedom We've been set free from the anxiety and the weight of having to figure it out on our own or having to feel like we're not spiritual enough and need to pray more or go to church more or do more to be able to get God's guidance and direction. How might your life be different if you let go of the anxiety of feeling like you have to get it right? You have to figure out every step, and if you don't do it right, then you've screwed up God's plan for you somehow. What would it look like to let that go and to begin to wake up every day rooted in the knowledge that there's nothing that you can do to separate you from God's love for you? 
You know who he is, and you know who you are, father and child. And this resurrection life that you've received, I love how he says this, the resurrection life you've received is not a timid life. It's an adventurously expectant life, life, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? Because we're not just called to be his children. We're not just children of God. We're also sons and daughters of the king, which means we have power and authority and opportunity to be a part of what God's doing in the world building his kingdom. We need to get to be a part of working with God to bring those foretastes, those those parts of the kingdom that are not reality yet but will be when Jesus returns. We're invited into that. It's an adventurous kind of life, not worrying about each step or each choice that we're going to somehow thwart God's plan for us. For the next two weeks, we're going to talk about what does it look like when you root yourself in this identity, When you begin to root yourself in this way of thinking about yourself and your life, how does that then begin to influence the choices that you make about relationships and about where you live and what kind of work that you do? Not from a place of trying to figure out from the outside what your calling is, but what does it look like to be transformed into the kind of people who live as God's children, the sons and daughters of the king, in a world that's broken and desperate and needing of all that we have to offer. As we close, let's pray together that God would begin to root this identity in us and that we would begin to take hold of it and that it would begin to change us from the inside out. Let's pray. God, thank you for what you've done for us um, in Jesus. Thank you that because of his life, and his death on the cross, and his resurrection, that we're free. Free from the bondage of sin and death, but free to a new abundant life with you in the kingdom. And we confess that too often we live in fear and anxiety and and influenced by the world's way of thinking about our life that, that somehow or another we've got to figure it all out, we've got to construct our life, or, or we've got to wait on you to give us specific directions on each step of the way when you, you as our loving Father is just saying, you choose. You take the next step, and wherever you go, I'm right there with you. God, may that truth be rooted deeply in our hearts, and may it begin to transform the way we think about everything. God, would you, from the inside out, change us and give us that sense of confidence that there's nothing that we can do that will separate us from your love. And we pray these things through the Son and by the Spirit. Amen.